Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall or TV time remaining. Introducing now, from the sovereign nation of Poe Landon, you know him, you probably don't love him, the Dawes Landon Tone. Wow, they probably don't love me. That that one hurt. Yay, and the crowd goes mild. And I'm joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my co-host, my best friend, if you will. It's Will Rab. Rab, how are we doing this evening, this morning, this afternoon, whatever? Oh, we're recording this podcast in the afternoon, and I'm excited, even though I'm hella busy this week because we're in the middle of uh, high school football season, and it's only going to get busier with the NFL and college uh, around the corner. But I'm excited for All Out, another great card uh, coming your way on pay-per-view this Saturday night from All Elite Wrestling. But, uh, Daz, we're going to talk about that later in the program because there are some news and notes, items uh, of substance from the WWE. Yes, this is a podcast about the sweet science of professional wrestling, not just All Elite Wrestling. Though, if we're being honest, AEW does tend to dominate uh, the time of what we talk about, but in the world of WWE, we had some titles move around. First, it was the NXT Championship, Carrion uh, Cross defeating Keith Lee, who, by the way, Keith Lee made his debut on Raw that following Monday and got a clean victory over Randy Orton. So they are strapping the proverbial rocket to the back of the limitless one, Keith Lee. That excites me. But in beating Keith Lee, Karrion Cross separated his shoulder and has since vacated the NXT Championship. Was defended on NXT this past week. In a four-way, 60-minute Ironman match between Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole, Bebe, and then Finn Balor. Uh, it ended in a draw with Adam Cole, Bebe, and Finn Balor tied 2-2. Two to two. So, uh, Rab, does it feel like a little bit of like um, blue ball-ish stuff if they say we're going to uh, crown a new NXT champion in a 60-minute Ironman match and then at the end of said 60 minutes... There's still no champion, or are you okay with this booking? I can see both sides of it because I'm a, a guy who has respect for the uh, old school uh, territory days and and Ric Flair or whoever your world champion was. If it was the WWF, you're talking about Bruno San Martino uh, going out there, and, and that's what your main event was going to be is uh, a championship match had a 60-minute time limit. And they would fight to a draw, and that's how they, you know, that's how the NWA back in the day kept the belt on Flair or Harley Race or whoever had it without making the hometown guy look like a look like he was, uh, you know, total shit. Um, I think if you're gonna have an Iron Man match though for a world championship, if it's not just simply a four way match, if you're gonna have pinfalls in an Iron Man match, you should have overtime. So. Uh, I don't think it's the worst booking, but to me, when I think Iron Man match, I think, okay, if we're tied after 60 minutes, they're going to go to to sudden death versus, hey, we're going to have a title match or we're going to have a match because we've seen this on AEW. They've used the time limit draw uh, several times to build people up, most notably what probably Cody and, and Darby fought to a mm-hmm. time limit draw. Um, to open up the dynamite era, if I'm remembering, uh, correctly. So I don't have a problem with draws in wrestling, 
but I think if you were go- like again, you promoted that's the main event of NXT. We're gonna let these guys go in a a, a four way for sixteen minutes, and then we're not gonna have a winner. And it was an Iron Man match. I don't know that I would have done that. I think I would have just ma- I would have just had the match finish in a draw because again, I think the WWE should embrace time limits uh, for all their matches. Yeah, and something you mentioned, uh, the Iron Man match, if it does end in a draw, should go into overtime. And I was listening to JR's podcast, Grilling with JR, and they were talking about the WrestleMania main event where Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart fought in a 60-minute Iron Man match. And he says one thing that they, or that he regrets, rather, is something they didn't do. They should have been up front saying, if it does end in a draw, there will be an overtime sudden death pinfall. And again, I kind of feel like this applies here. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm actually kind of okay with this booking because initially when I heard that there was no new champion, it did end in a draw. It kind of aggravated me. It, 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 I likened it to blue balls. It felt like a little bit of a tease. But with the way we got to the draw between Finn Balor and Adam Cole, with Adam Cole getting that flashbang pin as time expires to tie it up with Finn Balor. I thought that was interesting storytelling. And we're now going to get Finn Balor, Adam Cole for the NXT championship on this upcoming episode of NXT. Also uh, airing on Tuesday again, and they're calling it Super Tuesday 2, which, oh, I, I don't know if you felt that, ladies and gentlemen. That was me rolling my eyes at them calling it Super Tuesday 2. But I think that's going to be a very interesting main event for NXT. That said, the way they got there kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But like I said, the story that they told to get there, I'm kind of okay with. Just don't make it a habit with these BS finishes when it comes to championship matchups. Because, like, championship matchups, I want a definitive outcome. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Okay. If you're going to say, okay, we're going to put these four guys in this match, we're going to have a 60-minute match, and if there's a tie, it's, again, like JR said, be up front with it. If there's a mm-hmm. tie. So if, if Adam Cole and Finn Balor are tied at two pins each then make it clear, hey, we're going to have a game, the game seven moment, right? We're going to have a game like they do in baseball, game 163 to break the tie. We're going to have a tiebreaker match next week on NXT. Yep. And again, maybe that's kind of foreshadowing uh, that that's what you're going to do. But if you don't do that every time, then it's okay. Also, the other thing you can do, it's wrestling. Uh, gimmick the time. And have them wrestle for 50 minutes and say they wrestled for an hour (laughs) or have them wrestle for 55 and and then ring the bell (laughs) for uh, the overtime and then a couple minutes in have the pin. So gimmick, gimmick stuff up. But uh, I think knowing now the, the full context of it that, okay, this did set up a match for Finn and Adam Cole on NXT next Tuesday, uh, I don't think it's horrible booking, but it's not the way I like to book. It's not the way I would, which it doesn't matter. I'm some jabroni on the internet. (laughs) That's not how I would book an Iron Man match. That's how I would book a title match that had a time limit a la what they do in AEW. Mm-hmm. And and it is funny you mentioned jabroni. Uh, it is now an official word in the dictionary. So it's been quite the week for professional wrestling. Another interesting newsworthy moment in the world of professional wrestling was 
A, the return of the large canine, otherwise known as the big dog, Roman Reigns. And even more so newsworthy, he is the new WWE champion. And then even more more newsworthy is his alignment, both on the face and heel side, and who he is aligning himself with. Rab, we finally have a heel Roman Reigns, something the fans have been clamoring for for years. And not only that, he is paired. He's now a Paul Heyman guy. Um, Rab, I know you don't pay attention to WWE as much as you do AEW. Everything I just said, does that like put any hooks in you that might draw you back to the WWE universe to see what exactly is going to happen with the heel Roman Reigns with Paul E. by his side? If it wasn't going a million miles an hour, uh, balls to the wall right now, like if I had time to kill, if we were still in the middle of the pandemic and we were all quarantined, then yeah, I would check it out. I don't know if I'd watch all three hours of Raw. But I would find a way to see what, you know, stuff Roman's doing. But I'm, well, the good I'm news is he's on SmackDown and it's only two hours. And I say only I, with, you know, finger quotes. Oh, well, look, that shows how much I, I, I pay attention. <laughs> but look, you, you get the point, right? Like that makes it even more difficult because, you know, I call ball games on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll keep an eye on it. There's still plenty of people I follow on social media who are wrestling fans who talk about what's going on in the WWE because they still watch uh, every week. Um, and the WWE does a good job of putting stuff on social media. And, and so, I mean, I'll keep an eye on it, but again, the thing I like about AEW is the time investment and where it falls in the week, in the week for me works really well, uh, to follow along with it. And it gets me a wrestling fix without feeling like I'm having to do homework to keep up with 14 shows. And that's no knock on the WWE. They have the brand, they have the the people who want the content, and, and they have the stable to do it. It's just, you know, I, I got to get the bang for my buck, and I feel like I get the better bang for my buck with AEW. That said, really excited, number one, that Roman Reigns is back because he kicked Cancer's ass. Mm-hmm. So bravo there. Number two, I like that they turned him heel, and I like that they did it by pairing him with Paul Heyman. Because what's Roman's deficit been is he's not a great talker. And I know people are tired of getting Roman Reigns shoved down their throat. But the dude does have talent. And regardless of what he's done in the past, if you book somebody the right way, it's either going to be interesting or it's or it's not. And I don't know that we need to forever hold past booking against people like some of the damn marks in wrestling want to do. Like at this point... I'm not saying like this is perfect. WWE is probably going to screw it up at some point. I think there are people who are just stubborn and they've decided they're never going to like Roman Reigns and they have like some point to the world to prove that no matter what he does, I'm going to hate that guy. Just like no matter what John Cena does, there's going to be some s- stupid mark uh, on the internet in the IWC who is going to shit all over it. Yeah, I do think you're right. There are going to be uh, the Roman Boo Birds, just like there were uh, John Cena Boo Birds. And I don't think you can hold past booking of Roman against him. And you did mention his deficit was kind of him on the mic. In the few moments where where he hasn't had a you know three-page script of something that writers handed to him for him to go out there and recite, in those few times that we get to hear Roman be Roman, he's very strong behind the mic. And I mean, like... The, uh, his former S.H.I.E.L.D. cohort, uh, the former Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, said as much when he talked to Chris Jericho. It's like 
we, we don't want writers to give us, you know, movie scripts. Just let us go out there. We'll hit some talking points and we'll be ourselves. And in those few instances, we've seen Roman do that. I do think he's strong. That said, Paul Heyman is one of the best on the microphone, not only currently, but of all time in the world of professional wrestling. And him being a heel now, I think, makes him more interesting as a character as he has been in a while. Because, like... I don't know if it was just me, but while Roman was gone, it felt like the WWE product was missing somebody with real gravitas, real star power that somebody like John Cena or Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock has. And really, like top to bottom, the WWE roster is stacked talent-wise, but I think Roman Reigns is the only one that has that, you know, star in all capital letters and bold letters that those three people that I just mentioned have. And I think the WWE product as a whole is better with Roman being there, especially with him being a heel now. And reports are he's going to be a heel and carry the championship all the way through WrestleMania. So in theory, at WrestleMania, when he goes up against whoever the top babyface is, that can be another star-making moment for whoever he goes up against. And I like I'm very interested to see where this goes because I'll be honest, like my weekly habits of the WWE were starting to wane. But when I saw last Friday when somebody posted on Twitter uh, Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman sitting next to each other, it's like, okay, this definitely piques my interest, and I will be interested to see. What happens next? Of course, the next WWE uh, show, as we're recording, is going to be Friday Night SmackDown, the show that Roman is now the champion on. And they're in the WWE Thunderdome for the next uh, little bit. Before I touch on the Thunderdome, Brab, any thoughts on the newly turned heel Big Dog? Yeah, I I really like it, Daz. I think one of the problems the WWE may have had as of recent, um, outside of CM Punk and... Let's be honest, CM Punk was a tweener uh, for a lot of the time because there were so many people that liked him because he was CM Punk. So even if he li- acted like a heel, so a certain mm-hmm. portion of the fan base liked him. Uh, there's this reluctance, I think, a lot of times to have certain guys be a heel. And when they have a guy they want to push, they want to push him as a face. And then when it doesn't work, they just keep pushing it instead of being like, okay, if you don't like me, I'm just going to come out here and be an asshole. And I'm just going to get heat because at least I'm getting a reaction. And it's it's like you say. That star-making potential, it doesn't matter how they react as long as you get them to react, right? Like, if, okay, so the fans don't like Roman Reigns? Well, he's going to be a heel. He's going to be the bad guy. And, and quite honestly, he always struck me as that anyway uh, because, you know, that's how they brought them in. Uh, with the shield because you know they weren't exactly faces when they first came on the scene and and they're interfering in this stuff and you're like who are these young dudes uh, coming here and interfering in these matches so I like it I think it's smart and and I'm glad the WWE uh, when I say the WWE I mean Vince (laughs) exactly uh, figured out that (laughs) you could have big stars who are heels uh, and we'll talk about that more uh, later on on the AEW side of things. But you can definitely have big stars that are heels. And it is vital that you have big stars uh, that are heels that people want to pay to see them get their ass kicked. Mm-hmm. And and I do think there is still going to be 
It's funny, they booed him, him being Roman pronouns, pal. They booed Roman when he was a face, and now I think a large portion of those same people are now going to cheer him because he's a heel. So we'll see what WWE does going forward to you know kind of deal with that. But in the immediacy, they're not going to really have to deal with a rogue crowd because they are going to be broadcasting from the WWE Thunderdome for the foreseeable future. And I got to say... I really like the presentation of the WWE Thunderdome. It does make it feel bigger and more, I'm not going to say like having a live crowd because there's no substitute for having a live crowd as we've seen during this whole pandemic, both in the WWE and in AEW. But I really do like the presentation that they've been doing with uh, the WWE Thunderdome, having fans on screens and, you know, them kind of quote unquote reacting and seeing faces. But it hasn't all been great because this kind of was something everybody saw coming a million miles away. People, if they're sitting at home in front of their computer, they can do stuff that they normally wouldn't do if, like, you know, say they were live there in person. Rab, I don't know if you saw these screenshots. Uh, at WWE Thunderdome, we have had somebody show up with a sign saying, Fire Velvet Teen Dream, like, bam, right there, front and center in the front row. As they should. Probably. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, maybe a little worse, we had somebody put up a picture of Chris Benoit just sitting and watching WWE programming. Yeah, that's that's not ideal. Yeah, not great. This one was a little bit more fun. Uh, somebody, or maybe possibly he himself, because he did uh, acknowledge it on, uh, on social media, Picture of Kenny Omega just hanging out in the crowd in WWE Thunderdome, catching some uh, some some WWE Universe action. That would be so hilarious <laughs> if AEW was like, "Yeah, you know what? We're just gonna we're gonna screw events every week, and one of oh our stars God. is randomly <laughs> just gonna is just gonna try to get in the Thunderdome because it's not like the WWE has like this exhaustive screening process to find the people that they no put they on they there. they've proven they do not have an a uh, an extensive they, screening process. They probably don't have a screening process at all. Well, they, knowing the WWE, I think they have to now because we've got uh, we've gotten some. Uh, Cheeky and fun shenanigans, but we've also had tragic and cruel shenanigans. We had somebody in full Ku Klux Klan uh, regalia sitting watching WWE. And why? Why did WWE? Why do wrestling fans have to be stupid? I know. I know. like. <sighs> I'll be honest. I thought the worst we were going to get is somebody's going to whip out their ding dong on camera and like forget their forget that they're on camera. And like start watching. Uh, Adult content. <laughs> <laughs> or they know they're on camera, so that gives them uh, more of a reason to do it. And then maybe most egregiously and gross, somebody started to show a video of a beheading. Like, let that sink in. What the actual hell? Like I said, man, why do wrestling fans have to be stupid? Also, here's the thing: you got to remember, there's just trolls on the internet. Mm -hmm. so there's all those be there there's all those uh, be idiots. On 4chan, which I, you know, I guess is still a thing. Probably, we can we can screw with the WWE. I was trying to do my comic book man voice, but I did that badly. <laughs> but anyway, you um, know, doing it for the lulls, which ugh. God. So yeah. yeah, maybe the WWE needs to regulate the the Thunderdome better. Yeah, and and I do <sighs> think they are going to do a better job going forward. But I thought that was. Uh, 
Unfortunately, newsworthy with the kickoff of the Thunderdome. Because like I said, everything outside of the fans being just complete horrible, horrible people, I thought I think it's going very well. But going forward, I think those instances will be weeded out and they will be fewer and far in between, thankfully. Except Kenny Omega. He can show up every week. That made me laugh. I think that would be hilarious. I also <laughs> think it'd be really fun if the if AEW figured out a way to screw with WWE. And look, they're a multi-million dollar company. AEW has more important things to do. But <laughs> could you imagine if they somehow figured out how to get into the Thunderdome and all the different personalities of Matt Hardy showed up? Now that would be funny. Like, like Matt Hardy alone could take up an entire row of cameras. I mean, if we're just going to... I really don't think I really don't think Kenny Omega was sitting on his computer. No, I, I just think I he saw it on social that. media and he's a troll. So, <laughs> but if we had the the you know the 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 many faces of Matt Hardy, that would be and I quote wonderful. That would be wonderful. <laughs> I mean, no, I got to give WWE credit for the Thunderdome. Um, and this is not because I'm an AEW guy. I still think the way AEW is doing it, it is better uh, with the wrestlers. Uh, uh, around the ring, and then the the limited crowd. Assuming, of course, that you don't have outbreaks or anything because you're having a limited crowd. Mm-hmm. But they're trying to be cautious about. It. And look, they're only letting a couple hundred people into the arena, and they're making you sit with the people you came with. All socially distanced too. And socially distanced. Uh, I still like that better than the gargantuan titantron of. Uh, idiot wrestling fans, uh, <laughs> metaphorically and sometimes probably literally putting their butt cheeks on the glass. But both ideas are creative, so mm-hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hammer WWE for the the, the creativity. Um, but I'm not surprised that they didn't do a better job and they've had some snafus. Like I mean, they had to know this was gonna happen. Like you're you're uh, you know people are terrible. Not only in real life, but maybe even more so on the internet. But it, but hopefully WWE learned their mistakes. And oh boy, were there some mistakes. But Rab, you talked about how AEW, in your opinion, is doing it better. Why don't we head down to Jacksonville, Florida, to this outdoor amphitheater and preview this upcoming AEW pay-per-view event all out? How does that sound? That sounds good, man. All right, keep it locked right here. Even though it's a podcast, I keep acting like people can change radio stations. It's weird. This they is can near fall radio. Podcast. Don't do that. Actually, I don't care. We already have your download, but yeah. but hopefully we'll see you on the other side. We're back on Near Fall Radio. Time to preview AEW All Out live, as they say on Pay Per View, Saturday night, September the 3rd. And first, before we get into the card, Dawes, I have to say, it really feels like it's just a couple weeks ago. And I know it's not. I know we had... Uh, two weeks of Fighter Fest, and we had Fight for the Fallen. But it seems like it wasn't that long ago uh, that we were watching John Moxley beat Brody Lee in the main event of 
uh, double or nothing. I'll be honest, like, like I'm going to have to disagree with that because it feels like uh, time stopped moving somewhere around like the middle of March. And, and it's just been one long couple of days since then. Because if you remember a few episodes ago, you had to remind me that uh, the Young Bucks and Hangman and Kenny had that all-time great tag match this year. Like, it felt like it was at least 18 months ago. So, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you on that one. But it does seem like AEW has been having uh, quite a few top-billing cards over the last little bit. They're certainly not as bad as the WWE, which if you read Kayfabe News today, WWE goes four days without having (laughs) pay-per-view. But I I am a big fan of that AEW presents four actual pay-per-views a year. And then if they want to have what I call super cards or network specials, as the WWE refers to them now, they do it. And you can tune into Dynamite, or you can tune in if they want to, in the future, explore doing a second program on a Saturday night or whatever, and you can see a pay-per-view level card uh, for free, a la the old Clash, uh, for the champions. But at at least in my book, maybe because things have just been moving a million miles an hour, uh, since Memorial Day weekend, it seems like it was that was just a moment ago, and now we're at all out. But I'm uh, excited for this card, Dawes. Again, AEW does such a a good job for the most part of building matches that people really want to see uh, get paid off at their pay per views. And again, that's probably because uh, they take a little bit longer to. Uh, build the storylines. Yeah, top to bottom, there's something that draws me into every match. We have a total of nine matches, including uh, the tooth and nail match between Dr. Britt Baker and Big Swole on the buy-in pre-show. Now, not every one of them has me like, you know, oh my God, I have to see every second of this and see how the story's told. But like I said, all nine of these matches have something that draws me in that I'm interested in seeing. So once again, top to bottom, AEW doing a killer job building a card. Uh, Rab, let's start at the buy-in pre-show match. We did just uh, make reference to it. It's the in-ring return of Dr. Britt Baker with Rebel Rebel slash Rebby in her corner taking on Big Swole. Big Swole has named this a tooth and nail match. Now, as of this recording, we don't know what a tooth and nail match is, but I'm going to go out on a limb, and it's not going to follow the WWE's booking an eye-for-an-eye match where somebody has to lose an eye. just So I don't think this is going to be a match where somebody has to lose a tooth and nail to lose this match. No, but I got a good feeling Britt Baker's going to catch uh, some uh, acrylic nails across the face come about <laughs> uh, 7.30, 7.45 uh, Saturday night because Big Swole's had enough of her ish. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a good show, a good match to kind of – uh, kick off the the show on the the, the buy in. This is a a, a long simmering feud. Uh, it's the in ring return of Britt Baker. First and foremost, glad to see her back in the ring. She's such a mm-hmm. good heel. Yes. Again, it is a star that AEW recognized. This isn't working with her trying to be a face. And she said, "Well, hey, what if we go about it this way?" And you know, it's great when you have. Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho and some of these guys backstage you can bounce things off of. And she really emerged out of those nightmare tapings when they had to pre-tape some stuff. 
uh, and the uh, thousand percent organic moment with the nose getting busted open and they marketed that well. Mm-hmm. And, and she's done such a good job as a heel that even though she hasn't wrestled since before Double or Nothing, right? I believe so. Yeah, we were heading into Double or Nothing when, yes. unfortunately, Nyla Rose uh, got dropped on her and uh, she got her injury. What did she get, like an ACL or something? Yeah, something like an ACL, and then Statlander got hurt with kind of a similar yeah. thing. and then it, Yeah, because it ended up being Penelope uh, taking on Sheeta at, at Double or Nothing. She's done such a good job. They made her the little golf cart thing that she was in <laughs> and passing the notes to Tony Schiavone. From and the Rolls-Royce, yeah. On the, the Rolls-Royce wheelchair and all that <laughs> and, and having Rebel and we can't figure out what Rebel's name is. Again, that's another asset is, is Tony Schiavone because he can have these ideas and you can go to him backstage and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this and he's going to sell it, yep. which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's done a good job. Uh I'm a big, big swole fan. The wife couldn't care less about wrestling, but will stop and pay attention when Big Swole's on TV because Big Swole has swag. And especially when you listen to the, go back and listen, uh, plug of another podcast, the, the unrestricted podcast from AW. Go listen to what Big Swole and how she ended up in this moment. It's going to make you a big fan. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that match. Uh, I don't think there's any special gimmicks. I think they just named it because it's fun. Uh, but but that's cool. Maybe you know, uh, Swole will smack the tooth right out of Britt Baker's mouth because uh, she claims to be a role model, but I think she needs a little bit of straightening out. I don't know her <laughs> her her on screen daddy Tony Schiavone hasn't been able to get through to her. So I, I'm not really sure how I think this one plays out, Dawes, but I think it's probably. Uh, Britt Baker because this is her comeback match, and ultimately I think you want to kind of point her towards. Uh, another run at the world championship. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to agree. I think Dr. Britt Baker picks up the victory here. It's her first in-ring action. And no, I'm not counting that three on one match that, uh, her rebel and Penelope Ford lost to big swell a couple weeks ago on dynamite. And I do think you're right. We talked in the first segment about how Roman Reigns has this star power that nobody else in the WWE seems to have. I think in the AEW women's division right now, Dr. Britt Baker has that. And the women's division did kind of take a hit when Britt Baker can't get in the ring and perform. So I I do think they are going to slowly, uh, maybe not so slowly, take her back up to the top of the card. So I think a victory over Big Swole here will uh, set her on that path. Next car or next match we're going to take a look at. And again, we're kind of going through these matches. I don't want to discredit Britt and Big Swole, but like in order of interest. It just so happens that's the match that leads off the show. Uh and that's where it falls. Somebody has to be first. Somebody has yep. to be last. So it's no disrespect to the women. Uh, you get next into a tag match that was set up by the results of a match on Dynamite. Jurassic Express and the Young Bucks uh, got the win. It was a, an eight-man tag, and they defeated uh, SCU and Private Party. And then the winners of that match would square off uh, at... Uh, all out. So Jurassic Express and the Young Bucks got the win. So now they're in the match. And uh, I really started paying closer attention to this a couple weeks ago because you've pointed it out that uh, you think the, the Young Bucks are kind of dicks right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's any kind of. These guys are being full-on pricks. So uh, last night they come out 
obviously not happy. Uh, say last night, uh, we're recording this on a Thursday. So, uh, <laughs> dyna- the, the, the go home dynamite, they come out. Uh, they're none too happy because last week they lost a shot at the, the world tag team championships because, uh, Hangman uh, interfered in the gauntlet match in the final round of the gauntlet match versus FTR and eliminated the Young Bucks, essentially. Hangman doesn't speak much, so we don't know exactly why he did what he did, but we guess we're going to find out soon. And he's out of the elite, too. They, and they he's, he's out of the elite. The Young Bucks weren't happy. They didn't even pose when the money went off last night and then uh, didn't celebrate the victory either with Jurassic Express. Uh, I think this is going to be a heck of a match because you got four spot monkeys in the ring, and I just love seeing Luchasaurus go. Would he uh, be more of a so spot athletic. dinosaur instead of a spot monkey? That's right. Let's be fair. He Three <laughs> spot monkeys and a spot dinosaur. There we go. I don't want to offend the big guy. It's very hard. He's three bazillion years old. He's very tired, but he's still very good in the ring. Uh, ultimately, though, no disrespect to anybody this is a match to fill out the card. This is not a, a big rivalry. This is a match for the Young Bucks to be pricks again, probably have some shenanigans go on, and further uh, the storyline up the card with uh, Omega and Paige and FTR and the world title picture. This is just a match on the card. And so... Uh, the Young Bucks will get the W here probably, or there's something nefarious. I'm just going to enjoy uh, the spots. Yeah, this is definitely just a match on the card. This is a match so the Young Bucks weren't left off of pay-per-view, and I think the Young Bucks do pick up the victory here, and we'll see them be more like, – like I don't think they're going to go full-blown heel – but they, if they weren't the Young Bucks, if they were named anything else, if this, like, if for example, SCU was acting like this, I think they would turn them heel, and they and and the crowd would embrace them as heels. But because the Young Bucks are so over with the AEW crowd, and they do have such a prominent spot, both you know, legitimately and kayfabe wise, uh, they're going to keep them face at least for now. This is a match where the Young Bucks will continue to uh, be young uh, jerks, do stuff uh, that you know. Heels would normally do, but the Young Bucks pick up the victory here. Yeah, and I think both teams come out of this looking really good. I don't think the Young Bucks ever have to be fully heel. There just has to be enough heat, enough tension amongst the elite to try to, down the line, steer the crowd with where you want to go to build the sympathy when Hangman Page has enough of all this shit and strikes out on his own to uh, build up that feud that's going to come with his former elite members and whatever happens with FTR and whatever Hangman does, then put a rocket ship up his ass to take him to the world championship because that's happening at some point. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. All right, next on the card, uh, another tag match. And again, as far as us saying that like Jurassic Express and Young Bucks are just a, a match on the card, there's nothing wrong with that. you got to have matches to round out the card and you're still going to get a good match so it you know it's better than mjf's lawyer getting his ass kicked in <laughs> i actually really enjoyed that it's i like, enjoyed like, that that gear that the lawyer wore cracked me the hell up <laughs> have we figured out who that guy is because i know he's a wrestler 
I have no idea. Like, like my my first. I did a little. I did. I tried to do a little bit of Twitter research, but I know that guy's a wrestler. So, and we'll see uh, what's uh, going on there. Anyway, my next match on the card: uh, the Dark Order. Which in this instance will be represented by Brody Lee, Colt Cabana, Eva Uno, and Stu Grayson. And I just have to say this because I'm obligated uh, contractually. Uh, fuck Hangman. Versus <laughs> Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky, and the Natural Nightmares. That's Dustin and QT with Allie. Uh, of course because Brandy got choked out and still hasn't recovered because that's how... Uh, powerful Anna J is, and Cody's dead, y'all. Yep. Did y'all yep. not see the funeral? <laughs> Cody's dead. They killed Cody. He's definitely not off shooting a uh, show on Stars with former Arrow star Stephen Amell and friend of AEW. He's <laughs> definitely not doing that. He's no, dead, he, y'all. He's dead, y'all. But the uh, Dark Order uh, versus the Natural Nightmares AF, as I'm calling it, and friends, because that's an AEW thing. They love AF. They really uh, do. Basically, basically, Cody's family is fighting for his honor against the Dark Order, who are living it up. Mister Brody Lee's your new TNT champion. Man, that oh. they have the they have the Chili's endorsement, which that was so awesome that that crossed over to TV and they rode the snapper lawnmowers out there. <laughs> because half the people, I'm sure, are thinking, "What the hell is going on? Why are they so excited to have 17 lawnmowers?" And everybody who watches BTEs like, "That's awesome! They have 17 lawnmowers." Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it would it would be nice if everybody in the audience was uh, geeking for the lawnmowers. And we've said this before; we'll probably say it again until they actually start doing this. They have to start explaining uh, BTE storylines on Dynamite because not everybody in your audience is watching your YouTube show. Let's uh. Put a pause on the match just to touch on that real quick because uh, I've been thinking this from the commentary position. Uh, I'm torn because I, I, I think it's much better than how they do it in the WWE where Vince coaches you on everything to say and he's talking in your ear for four hours. Say it, JR. Say it. Damn it. And then JR doesn't say it and it was better because he didn't say whatever stupid ass thing Vince wanted him to say uh, one time on Raw. Or making Michael Cole and Taz go back and re-record an entire night's commentary for a, a tape SmackDown show. But I, I do think a little bit more of an outline, just like we flow freely through this paper, through this podcast. We, when we do a, a, a radio a show together, Dawes, we just have an outline and then we paint the picture in. Yep. Just kind of like you're cutting a promo. I, I do think maybe the announced position needs a little bit more polish in that regard to do a little bit of better job explaining things. I also think when we get down the line and you have that secondary uh, AEW show, which is probably going to be an expansion of Dark on a TNT, I don't want to completely eliminate BTE from YouTube because BTE benefits being on YouTube because they don't have to worry about content and sometimes it makes it funnier because they do weird things or... Mm-hmm. Or Mr. Brody Lee says the F word 17 times. He really likes the F word. And that's yes. coming from somebody who also really likes the F word. <laughs> he really likes the F word. But it works for the Dark Order. you got to get some of those bits on that secondary show so people know what's going on. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I do think if they polish up the commentary a little bit, make sure they're hitting some points instead of just letting them roam 
uh, for two hours, it would be a little better. Mm-hmm. And also stop burying the talent in the ring and stop pointing out. There's like, hey, that's a tag. They need to get out of the ring. Yes, JR, we know that, but it doesn't help that you bring it up every damn time and make not only the in-ring talent look bad, also your refs. Like, like the stop, time stop he, the burying o- the, the, the content on air, man. Come on. You the only this. time he needs to point that out is when FTR exactly in because they they negotiated it into their character and into their story exactly yep. because they are the heels that enforce the rules and are old school pro wrestling and are like anti spot monkey but yeah getting back to the uh, Dark Order uh, versus Nightmare Family uh, match uh, eight man tag uh, AEW's been doing a, a lot of these uh, but you got the potential for a good match here uh, Dark Order's on the rise and I think ultimately. They get the W here because that's what makes most sense in the storyline. At some point down the road, there's going to be another crossover between the Nightmare Family and the Dark Order and a, uh, air quotes, surprise return of Cody Rhodes <laughs> to get the upper hand. Uh, but Saturday night, the Dark Order lives it up and they party off of that Chili's baby back rib money. Yeah, I think the Dark Order continues their run. By the way, as a self-proclaimed Dark Order, Mark, I loved, loved, loved the way Brody Lee got put over, taking the TNT strap off of Cody, made him look like a monster, made him look like a million bucks, really gave AEW their first, in my opinion, legitimately killer. They've tried, they've tried it with Lance Archer, they've tried it with, uh, Brian Cage to, mixed results but Brody Lee I felt like was okay this guy is a legit murderer and I don't think their momentum stops I think they also pick up the victory uh beating uh the Nightmare family and friends and my only question is where does this Colt Cabana storyline go is is this going to be the week we finally see Colt uh drink the Kool-Aid so to speak or or is he just going to continue to just be happy to be there I personally, and it's getting a little bit of fancy booking territory, but I personally hope that he just continues to be happy to be there. And then at some point, uh, he's like a mole inside the Dark Order. Hmm. Uh, because as much as I like be- seeing them built up, you ultimately build up heels for the face to get over on yep, him to bring and get down. you the payoff. Mm-hmm. So that Colt Cabana... Uh, and his fellow indie stars, Matt Cardona and Scorp and whomever, uh, that does something. And, and Colt Cabana uh, was playing the Dark Order uh, all along because I just can't see Colt Cabana <laughs> being a member of a cult like yeah. legitimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely get that. He doesn't have the personality of a cult member. I do think this being his AEW pay-per-view debut, I think Matt Cardona is going to get a lot of offense in. I think Scorpio Sky is going to do some really amazing stuff, but I think I think QT Marshall is there to uh, eat the pinfall, so to speak. Yeah, I think this is a match where uh, everybody other than, I mean, and QT is still going to look good by association. Everybody uh, looks better coming out of this match. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next match, uh, not only is not everybody going to look good coming out of it, somebody's not going to come out of it. Uh, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara in a broken rules match, which is basically a last man standing match. With the caveat that they must have a winner. They must have a winner. You have to incapacitate your opponent to the point which they cannot answer a 10 count. Anything goes. You can be counted out anywhere. 
if you can't answer a 10 count, you lose. And if Matt Hardy loses, he must leave AEW. Dawes, the floor is yours. I think Matt Hardy wins here just with the caveat stipulation of if Matt Hardy loses, he must leave AEW. I've seen some people speculate or banter online, rather, that they think this could just be Matthew Hardy going away and he comes back as like broken Matt or, you know, uh, high voltage Matt or something like that. I don't know if that's the route they would go in the event that Matt Hardy does catch the L here. That said, I think Matt Hardy does pick up the victory. We we saw him uh, do the job on Dynamite a couple weeks ago in that hellacious but very sped through uh tables match against Sammy uh, Guevara. You have to wonder who went long and left your main event like five minutes, which which that was a bummer. I would have liked to see that go longer. But I think we're going to see what we saw in that tables match, just violence amped up to 11. As you can hear the heavens open up above me on my skylight, that, that'll be great to edit around. But uh, I, I think this is going to be violent. I think uh, – all sorts of extracurricular activities, so to speak, are going to happen. I think they're going to hit each other with the Home Depot, and I think in the end, Matt Hardy picks up the victory over Sammy. And I think you got to remember, too, Dawes, that there's legitimate heat. As we've talked about, I think, on the last episode mm-hmm. yeah. of the program, there is legitimate heat between these two if you uh, believe that Sammy grabbed the wrong chair. I mean, I, like, I, I think you have to look at the end result of him grabbing said chair. Yeah. It's like, like, I, I think he legitimately grabbed the wrong chair. Now, I don't think that Matt Hardy legitimately wants to murder Sammy Guevara, but I definitely think that as we talked about on the last episode, Matt Hardy knows how to throw some taters and he wants to give Sammy some receipts. Yep. There's going to be some receipts cashed in on Saturday night. I think Hardy goes over here as well. Um, I, I, I do think, uh, if, uh, Hardy doesn't, then you could totally down the line because maybe he just wants to take a little bit of time off. He's an older guy. He comes back and is like, hey, Matthew Hardy had to, you know, the guy already has 17 personalities. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> but I, I think the logical, again, Occam's razor, right? The most obvious thing is usually what they do. The, mm-hmm. the, most, the, the most logical thing is for Hardy to get his pound of flesh uh, on uh, Sammy Guevara, the stunt monkey of AEW. I mean, just think about the stuff that Sammy's done this year. He got hit by a golf cart. Uh, he, he got one he winged got, angel. Off he got one winged yep. angel onto a platform to end the stadium stampede match. He got chased by Hangman's horse. <laughs> which you've ne- if you've never heard the podcast about Hangman talking about the folks that they work with to get those horses. That's really cool because there's like a whole industry of like stunt horses that are like trained to like not be scared of crowds and appear at wrestling shows. Yeah, that unrestricted podcast is really interesting. It yeah, gives you it gives you a, a rare, very cool behind the scenes look at all elite wrestling because like ninety five percent of it is is a shoot. Um, maybe only if you interview MJF or Sean Spears sometimes. Uh, gets into some promo territory, but that's Sean Spears taking advantage of airtime. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I think Hardy gets the win here. Uh, that leads us into our next match, and again, we're going through all the basically undercard non-title matches first, so that brings us to the Mimosa Mayhem match, which, on the one hand, you're telling me I get to see Chris Jericho work. If Chris Jericho worked a paper bag, I'd be excited. 
He's working Cassidy again. Those two are going to have a good match. The Mimosa Mayhem match, and this is how you know I'm not just in the tank for AEW, is one of the stupider things I've heard of in a long time. So stupid. Like, like I know I told you, the lovely listeners, earlier, you probably felt me uh, roll my eyes at something earlier. I know for a fact the earth stopped a little bit when I rolled my eyes when they announced the Mimosa Mayhem match. First of all, you need to call it the, the Mimosa Massacre match. Come on, y'all. But second of all, the premise. It's like the match can be won by pinfall submission or... <sighs> Throwing the opponent into a tank of mimosas. On the last episode, I talked about how I don't know how geeked I was for a rubber match between Jericho and Cassidy. And this is before we even thought about them having like a dunk tank of doom match or whatever the mimosa mayhem match is. And it's just like, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt because Chris Jericho is involved. But I mean, the mimosa mayhem match, really? Look, I get you had to come up with some sort of gimmick, right? Because you couldn't just have a third match. They just had two straight-up matches. Like we say, Jericho got one. Cassidy got the other. You got the rubber match coming up. It does make logical booking sense that you would have a rubber match at some point. And you'll see who goes over. Hopefully, it's it's Cassidy, but you know, uh, we'll see. But, and I get it, you know, the stadium stampede was great, and that was called for to kind of have a gimmick match to kind of make up for the fact that you couldn't do blood and guts, and who knows if blood and guts, with it being the elite versus the inner circle, ever happens. Certainly at some point they're going to have a blood and guts match. There'll be a feud that calls for it in AEW down the line. But, this ain't it. You can win by pinfall submission or throwing your opponent in a in a vat of mimosa. <laughs> See, just saying it out loud, it makes you like, oh god. I feel bad. I feel bad for the stage crew having to clean that shit up. <laughs> Though to be fair, AEW stage crew has shown they can work and do fantastic work really, really fast. They, they dumped all that orange juice on Jericho and had a another mat underneath the mat to be able to clean it up in three minutes while Aubrey Edwards is standing there with her earpiece giving them time checks every 15 seconds. Like, the teamwork's awesome. It also makes me leery that they're going to close out the pay-per-view with this dumb shit so that they don't have to clean it up. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Ugh. Ugh. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, 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 again... It's Chris Jericho. He's a vet. I, I I know he's gonna attempt to give you a really good match, and there's nobody more over than Orange Cassidy. And I'm sure TNT being in love with Orange Cassidy and Bleacher uh, Report Live, BR Live being the pay per view home of AEW has something to do with making sure Orange Cassidy continues to be featured, which I'm fine with. You got to make the corporate overlords happy. <sighs> The mimosa mayhem idea. And again, I don't know what you do. Like, I'm a very keep it simple guy when it comes to booking. So, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. I think we're going to get a good match, albeit a stupid premise. Uh, 
That said, uh, heart says Cassidy, head says Jericho. What do you say, Dawes? I don't see there's any way that Orange Cassidy picks up the victory here. I think Jericho is going to get the 2-1 victory over Cassidy. It's going to be a very interesting matchup, and unfortunately I don't know if it's a good interesting or a bad interesting, but it is definitely going to be a spectacle. Uh, So, I mean, hope for the best, expect the worst, because Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy are involved, but uh, Jericho picks up the victory here. All right, and now we can kind of move into the championship territory of things, so to speak, because I think when you are having a match that awards a future championship match, although this is not necessarily a number one contenders match, but the winner will receive a future AEW World Championship match. That's right up there with being in an actual title match. And Dawes, I'm talking about the Casino Battle Royal, which I got to be honest, outside of... The AEW World Championship, and obviously what's going on in the tag division, this match has me very intrigued. It's definitely, again, going back to something I said about the um, Mimosa Mayhem match, just even saying it. Uh, It's definitely going to be an interesting matchup, and we saw a massive schmoz on the latest go-home episode of Dynamite. And it made me wonder, are there like actual faces involved in this match? Because it seemed like the majority of the participants we saw in the schmoz on Dynamite, I would say like it was 70-30 heels. And and yeah. and it might be even more than that. But we uh, did some math before the show starts because a uh, little inside baseball here. You never do math live on either the air or recording uh, there are 17. You look like an idiot. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there are 17 announced participants, which leaves four open spots. Rad, do we want to run down who's been announced, or just hope that everybody knows who they are? No, we can we can run through that. Your Casino Battle Royal entrance as of right now: Darby Allen, Lance Archer, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, uh, Ray Phoenix. Pentagon Jr., Butcher and Blade, Eddie Kingston, Sean Spears, Billy and Austin Gunn, Jake Hager, Santana Ortiz, Chuck, and Trent. So that leaves you four slots open. Like you said, there's a lot of heels in this match, which is interesting. I'm not sure that's a tell on who's going to win, but... Definitely a, a, a lot uh, more heel guys getting stacked in this battle royal. I, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. I, I like battle royals, uh, especially like them in AEW because it allows you to kind of do something out of the box instead of saying, "Oh, well, you know, MJF's the uh, number one uh, ranked singles guy. He should get a title shot." It like allows you to have a reset on a guy who maybe had a storyline go a certain way. That dictated he takes a couple L's, but he's going to get a title opportunity because he went out there and he earned it the hard way. Possibly like a Lance Archer, possibly like a Brian Cage, maybe? Those two? Although, honest, honestly, what I hope comes out of this casino battle royal, and look, I won't be mad. Look, if they want to uh, throw Lance Archer or Brian Cage at whomever comes out of that world championship match, <clears throat> probably in Jim Jam, more on that later. Um <laughs> I'm cool with that. What I really hope happens is somehow those guys get involved in one another's elimination and get pissed at each other and sacrifice the the world championship opportunity to beat the piss out of each other and set up a feud that, uh, you know, 
we get down the line, we get into November-ish, because somewhere around Thanksgiving weekend-ish, they're probably going to do full gear if we're going on last year's calendar, where those dudes beat the piss out of each other for a couple months, and then there's a burn-off match, and the winner of that goes right squarely into the world championship picture. Because I like to see big dudes beat the crap out of each other. Mm-hmm. I don't know about y'all, but that's one of the things I like about wrestling. Hoss fights are fun. Yup. So I think I think that would be a way to go with that. I, I'm such a Darby mark that like I just still want to see Darby Allen get his shot. And I think not that maybe necessarily he's the favorite because I thought he was the favorite in the uh, in the latter match where Brian Cage ended up being the victor to have that short program with John Moxley. If we end up going in the direction where I think AEW is going with the world championship and hypothetically MJF is your champion, I think Darby Allen versus MJF is a million bucks. That's just me, but again, I think there's the distinct possibility that one of these heel guys gets a win for a future world championship match. I'm not as sold on it as when I went to bed last night because I'm trying to think logically about who those other four entrants could be. But because, again, remember, in the Casino Battle Royal, five guys enter at a time. They're paired together by the suits on the deck. So uh, what? Spade, uh, Heart, Diamonds, diamonds, Hearts, whatever order they get drawn. Heart, Stars, Horseshoes, Wait, no, that's Lucky Charms. That's Lucky Charms. And then they have a Joker in the deck. And whoever draws the Joker comes out last. I think uh, I'm less certain that that Joker is going to go to somebody we haven't thought of yet because I can't really think of like, okay, who's this free agent that's going to come out of nowhere that you want to put in that position. But I I do think that whoever comes in at 21 is going to have a really good shot at winning this, which is obvious logic, but I think will be done for a reason. I mean that's obvious logic, and we kind of saw that in the uh, in the uh, ladder match where uh, Brian Cage debuted in that mystery slot, winning it. Which makes me think I don't know if they're necessarily going to go that route again. Um, I can't think of a big outstanding free agent or a, oh my god, I can't believe it's him debut in in for one of these four unannounced spots. Now, of course, once it happens, both you and I are going to be like, how the hell did we not think of that? My the only the one that comes to my mind immediately, and I don't even know if this is feasible due to travel restrictions. What about Pac? Pac coming back? I here. was thinking about that last night. That is who I thought of, and so I did some googling, and there's not a lot of updates on Pac. The thing is not it, it's. So of course we know out there there's this idea that like there's this this travel ban from certain countries. To the U.S. and because the U.S. has just completely botched it. <laughs> I'm not trying to get political yeah. on this. I'm, just, you know, travel is difficult right now. Even if there's not a restriction, as I heard pointed out by Matt Hasselbeck of ESPN talking about how they're figuring out how they're going to televise games. Even if you know they say, "Oh yeah, you know, you can come to Knoxville and you can set up at Neyland Stadium." Can you get a flight there? So travel's difficult for pop. But what I saw explained from Tony Khan, and this is this is dated. So it could have changed now, but again, Pac lives in, in England, and so it's, be, it's difficult for him to come in 
and say, okay, Pac, we got five weeks of TV we want you to do, and then we can give you two weeks off. And then we got five weeks of TV we want you to do, and then we can give you two weeks off. So if he's willing to come and hang out for a couple months, maybe. But like that's like remotely the only guy I can think, again, makes a surprise debut, comes in at, comes in at 20 or 21, which if Pac is coming back, then it's worth doing the exact same thing you did with Brian Cage mm-hmm. at uh, Fighter Fest, winning the whole thing, and, and then uh, getting back in the world championship picture. So it's it's uh it's tough for me to think about who those other four are going to be, and it leads me to believe that one of the guys we already know is going to win this. Again, I already told you my sentimental favorite would be Darby Allen, uh, and, and outside of that, I think it'd be one of these heel guys. Because no offense to to Chuck and Trent, but it, you, you're going to take one of your best tag teams and insert them into the singles picture. You could say the same thing for Santana and Ortiz as well, and the Butcher and the Blade. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm glad they're. I'm glad they're in. The, I'm glad they're in the match. Like, uh, I I love watching Santana and Ortiz work, but y'all are kind of in that Billy and Austin gun territory where y'all are feeding things. Here's a here's here here's a here's an outside shot in the dark. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, Eddie Kingston came out with. Uh, the Lucha Bros and Butcher and Blade and cut this promo about unity. Mm-hmm. And then he had that wink at the end. Yeah. I don't, again, it's a future AEW title shot. I don't know that Eddie Kingston's ready right now to be in the AEW title picture, but you want to talk about a promo showdown between him and MJF. That could be an out of the box uh, situation. So. If you had, if you had to ask me to narrow it down, most logical is Archer or Cage. I'm rooting for Darby. Um, dark, dark horse Eddie Kingston, Jake Hager. Okay, uh, I'm going to go, and I don't like. This is just more of a gut feeling. I'm I'm going to go with Lance Archer as my winner, and then uh, next would be Darby Allen. And then if you can give two dark horses, I'm going to give two dark horses. We're going to share one in Eddie Kingston, then the other one, Ray Phoenix. I do think because you have so many strong tag teams right now, and you could keep them together as a stable, that one of the Lucha Bros entering the singles picture would not be all bad. Plus, let's be honest, whoever you put, if MJF is your world champion, folks are going to get really excited about the idea (laughs) that even though he's kind of a bad guy, that Lance Archer is going to snap that little son of a bitch in half. Yeah, Nobody's going to be more excited. (laughs) Nobody's going to be more excited than Tony Schiavone. (laughs) I think Tony Schiavone legit maybe doesn't like MJF. Like, he sells it that well. Schiavone's a pro. Skivon is pro. All right. Actual title match time. Singles match. Women's World Championship. Hikaru Shida, the AEW Women's World Champion versus Thunder Rosa, the NWA Women's Champion. Dawes, this is something I'm excited about because I have said, I have advocated for on this program. I've long believed that the NWA, although I have no problem, hey, new media, use YouTube. Use whatever. You want to have a TV show. You want to have some stuff to help chronicle your champions. They are much better off working with other promotions to have their champions come in and work 
matches because that is old school NWA. And so Hikaru Shida versus Thunder Rosa uh, excites me for that Women's World Championship. Yeah, we saw Thunder Rosa make her AEW debut on the go-home edition of Dynamite, uh, beating uh, former WWE uh, star uh, Serena Deeb, who I thought both of them looked good. Uh, Thunder Rosa, it, I'm very excited to see her go up against Sheeta, and I actually think Thunder Rosa comes into AEW and takes their women's championship. There's just something about this. Sheeta's had a really good reign, uh, but I don't know if she's gone up against anybody like Thunder Rosa yet, and I would love the prospect of the NWA women's champion also being the AEW women's champion. I think that would be very cool and would elevate both titles and both promotions, if we're being honest. Because, like you mentioned, the NWA, part of their history is going around to other promotions and showing up and doing the NWA is currently doing that with their uh, with the NWA championship itself, with champion Nick Aldis defending against uh, Mike Bennett, formerly of the WWE, formerly of TNA slash Impact. As far as I know, Bennett isn't a NWA star so or on the roster, so to speak, but they're still doing business with people outside of their roster, and I think that's exciting. And I. I wouldn't be surprised if there is more business between NWA and AEW in the future. And I think that Thunder Rosa picking up the AEW Women's Championship would be a good step in that direction. So Thunder Rosa is my pick for this Saturday. I think you present a a great case. I'm not sure AEW uh, necessarily wants to do that. Then again, you know. If that's the plan behind the scenes, they have things contractually worked out and, you know, Thunder Rosa is going to be involved and be willing and able to appear on television. Um, I think it's more likely she still probably gets the dub, but I, I can see the case you're making because they've made a big deal out of Thunder Rosa being the NWA champion, not just somebody who's showing up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I could see that one going other way my gut just kind of tells me to lean with Sheeta right now so I'm just going to go that way Uh, I'd like to see what you said play out because I think that's very interesting it's just you know how politics go in the wrestling business um but, I mean, you do have to give AEW credit. They're at least going outside the realm of All Elite Wrestling. We even saw that some with Cody doing the open challenge, taking on that you was know, great. indie superstars and Eddie Kingston, my dude, Warhorse. So, I mean, like, AEW is open for doing business with people outside their roster. Now, I don't think anybody was expecting Eddie Kingston or Warhorse to take the strap off of Cody, but at the same time, they're willing to. They're willing to at least do business. So I wouldn't like. I. You're probably right. Sheeta probably does pick up the victory here. But I don't know. I'm. I'm leaning towards Thunderosa. Just me though. I think it's a big. I think it's a big difference between like with all due respect to Eddie Kingston or Warhorse coming in and, and taking the strap, which is named for the company you're on television with, uh, off of Cody, and then they ultimately built that up well for Brody Lee to take it, and to make him look like a million bucks. Versus, okay, we're going to do this deal and maybe Thunder Rosa goes over on Sheeta, but then later back, Sheeta's going to get the title and then we find somebody, you know, we, we go back and forth. We, we get a series of matches uh, out of this and look, clearly if you're the NWA champion, you're regarded uh, well as a wrestler and, and worthy to be able to hold the, the AEW belt as well. So um, 
my gut tells me it's Sheeta, but uh, I like the 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 scenario you uh, presented, Dawes. Uh, let's keep it rolling. And again, we I, I do hope that we again see more work with the NWA. Again, do they want to have their power show? Or I love the what is it? Ten pounds of gold. Yeah, the story yeah. that they did on on YouTube. I like that type of stuff. It really intrigues me, and I understand it's difficult to do sometimes. It's a different era than the territories. There's enough wrestling out there between Impact, Ring of Honor, AEW, uh, even you know some top indie promotions do have a, a television presence. Uh, I would even say, hey, if you can work out something with the OVW gang who's adding TV affiliates all the time, there's some cool things the NWA could do with a traveling, fighting champion versus trying to have their own promotion uh which unfortunately power got kind of sidetracked one by the pandemic and two jim Cornette being a shitbag yeah well i i'll i'll say it was more due to the pandemic than uh than corny yeah, yeah, being yeah. corny i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pass up a chance to punch <laughs> uncle jay i understand that but it's like and another instance of nwa and aew working together i mean re- we already mentioned Cody's open challenge. When he first showed up to challenge Cody, Ricky Starks was an NWA performer. And yes. here recently in the last few weeks, we've seen Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, appear in Dark and maybe get a little bit of screen time on Dynamite. He is currently an NWA performer. Now, there's been some questions about his contractual status with NWA, but I I, I hope going forward these two companies can continue to do business and, and because it's it's the whole premise of you know uh high tide rises all ships and i think everybody outside of the wwe should be willing to work with everybody else just me though yeah and and i think again the idea that the nwa is nothing more than the caretaker for the belts that have a lot of prestige because even if this exact belt or you know uh, it gets kind of murky because the nwa uh, in Georgia, became or Jim Crockett Promotions became WCW, and belts got merged, and this like that. But you can, it's wrestling, so you can kayfabe the hell out of stuff. <laughs> That's um, <actually> correct. <laughs> these belts have history and lineage going back to the '30s, and people know what the NWA is. So let G, let Billy Corgan, I almost called him Jimmy Corgan for some reason, <laughs> be the caretaker of these belts and 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 help decide. Okay, this is when. The NWA belt's going to change hands, but we're totally cool just barnstorming the country and showing up on these various programs, Major League Wrestling, uh, things like go to Japan, go to go 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 to uh, Mexico and work with AAA and like make bring. You really want to bring back old school wrestling? Forget like filming stuff at Georgia Public Broadcasting and doing a, a semi okay studio show. Make the NWA what it used to be and use other people's horsepower to, to raise you. Anyway, uh, two more matches on the card. AEW World Tag Team Championships on the line. Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page defend against FTR. That's Cash Wheeler, Dax Harwood, Tully Blanchard in their corner. Dawes, this is getting very, very interesting yeah this is the match that i'm looking forward to the most to see where they go next in this story especially coming off the go home edition of dynamite where ftr full-on like got finger in the face of adam page like 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 we didn't do this to you you did it and just pretty much like 
degraded him, continued to get in his mind. It cracked me up with Kenny Omega saying he didn't want to listen to these two dickhead hillbillies. Of course, the microphone got cut because you can say shit on Dynamite. Apparently, you cannot say dickhead. So They didn't even do a good job of cutting it because then somebody said shit and then they cut it because I guess, you know what, you're allowed like three shits a night, apparently, according to Tony Khan. (laughs) And they're trying to dump it because I guess that wasn't one of the union-approved shits. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Which, good God. Going to standard practices. So, hey, in our go-home segment, uh, MJF is going to say shit. Uh, That's approved. But uh, Cash and Dax, you can't say shit. Also, in that go-home segment, MJF is going to bite on the open wound of John Moxley and look like he's a freaking cannibal. But yeah, FTR, y'all can't say shit. Uh, But (laughs) I digress. Kenny can't say dickhead. No, no. Nobody can say dickhead. Not even Kenny Omega. But I... (sighs) I know it seems obvious, and you already made the made the reference to Occam's razor. It's like like the most uh, the, the most logical outcome is the one that will probably happen. It seems like this is where Kenny and Hangman drop the straps, and maybe Fracture and FTR starts their uh, run as the tag team champions. But I don't know for some reason like. Coming off of this go-home edition of, Dynam- of Dynamite, I'm a little hesitant to pull the trigger, so to speak, on FTR. I, I, I'm still going to say they win, but I'm less confident in saying so, if that makes sense. Uh, my opinion didn't change. I mean, FTR takes the belts from Hangman and Kenny, and then Hangman talks them down, gets them back, and then looks, and Kenny's out of the ring and basically giving Hangman like a, you know, a, a WTF face. What the hell is this? Um, and plus, how long can you keep slow burning the fracture of the elite? Mm-hmm. I mean, this has gone back a long time. This goes back to tw- or late 2019, right? Pre pandemic. And Hangman wasn't sure what was going on, and I don't really want to be in the lead, but you keep booking me with Kenny, and then y'all put the belts on us. And I think that was a great move to put the belts on us. Oh, absolutely. They've killed it in their run. As, as They've killed it in their reign. And then you had that match at Revolution, God. which, again, did happen in February, Dawes, and <laughs> would have been 18 <laughs> stars if it would have happened in the Tokyo Dome on New Year's Eve while Dave Meltzer was eating sushi. <laughs> And then I thought, okay, that's when this blows up, right? Because, like, Hangman didn't want to face the Bucks, and they kept it going. And then, you know, Hangman's kind of in the elite, and he certainly doesn't like the inner circle. And they had that whole match at Double or Nothing, but that's that's been burned off. And it's really fracturing, and he's been kind of chummy with FTR. Where else is there to go with this? Like it's it's time for for these things to explode. There's a plenty robust enough tag division for FTR to feud with whoever while the elite beat the crap out of one another. So FTR wins. The young bucks probably insert themselves. There's some sort of misunderstanding. And the fuse is lit by Hangman and Kenny getting pissed at each other. And then that goes wherever else it goes. That's what happened Saturday night. And if it doesn't, I'm going to be very disappointed. Just like I was very disappointed when they kind of stretched Cody out for a couple weeks more than he should before he took his beating uh, from Brody Lee. 
Well, in that scenario you just laid out, I mean, you you sold me more so on my pick. Everything you, you said does make sense. And you asked a question that I do think is a fair one to ask in this elite implosion story that they've been telling. Now, you, I, I, I'm not going to bag on them hard because I do think the pandemic really hampered their original plans. And I, I like the stories that they've told having to pivot and tell what they can with the roster they have due to the pandemic and and travel uh, problems, as we've already talked about. Uh, but the way you just laid it out, I okay, yeah, I'm now 100% convinced FDR picks up the victory here. They are your new AEW World Tag Team Champions. And I don't know. We we saw again. They need to start telling stories on on BTE on the on the Dynamite show. Is this the start of the return of the cleaner? Kenny Omega, is this the return of the best bout machine, Kenny Omega? Just so we can stop have, having fans ask for the best <laughs> bout machine. Just give me what I want. Yeah, pretty okay. All right, yeah. <laughs> for, uh, so you're saying, for the sake of your sanity, you hope this is where they start uh, actually. Number one, Kenny Omega is still having five star matches, but if we're actually going to go to that cleaner persona, I think that's super interesting. And that's something I'm wanting to see, not being a guy who spends a lot of time watching New Japan wrestling. So I've not seen Best Bout Machine cleaner Kenny Omega. But like that's really intriguing, especially because I think kind of whatever happens, because they've kind of been teasing it. I, I think that I, I think that's a really interesting. Get that cleaner uh, Kenny Omega, and the, again have sides drawn and I kind of think regardless of how things kind of happen on Saturday night, especially because I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be hangman doing something nefarious with, with FTR because I think ultimately again, we've talked about it in multiple formats. Hangman kind of has some of that Stone Cold Steve Austin beer drinking, ass kicking cowboy persona going. A and the fans really like Hangman Page. I, I think it's just the way, you know, the way they presented it. He's just kind of caught in the middle of this stuff. And again, I think ultimately you want to down the line set Hangman up to be back in that world title picture, right? So. Mm -hmm. Kenny Omega kind of being the cleaner and the two uh, tag team partners mad at one another. That's a feud. And then there's still this simmering thing with the Bucks and it's kind of Hangman taking on his old buddies in the elite is, is, is where this is going to go at the end of the day. So why do we need like, hey, I'm super nice, Kenny Omega. No, nah, screw that. We need the, the asshole Kenny Omega who's pissed off that he lost his world championship because Hangman can't figure out where his allegiances lie. Uh, and, and he's on the side of the Bucks because, I mean, clearly that was bullshit that you would do that to your own friends. And So there's vendettas and scores to settle and whatnot. And so uh, between that being a fun storyline and also so uh, the internet will shut up about it, and stop acting like Kenny Omega is being buried in his wrestling shitty matches. Please give us cleaner, best bout machine Kenny Omega so that the Smarks will shut up. We talked earlier how AEW's had to pivot from what their original plans were with the pandemic. It has come out that 
they were going to start building towards that before, you know, the whole world caught fire with the whole yeah, uh, COVID situation. It, it, it absolutely is fair. So now that they're slowly reintroducing fans and maybe in theory they can get back on track with their original plans. Yeah, maybe maybe this is the beginning of seeing the cleaner come back. And plus, I think it would be really interesting. I threw this scenario at you on Twitter uh, a couple nights ago. If Mox does retain here, if Kenny Omega, after, you know, in theory, dealing, quote unquote, with Hangman, he goes after uh, John Moxley, who put him on this path with that uh with the beatdown he caught from Moxley that put him on this path to just be a quote-unquote tag guy who took his spot. I think that could be a very interesting story of a heel Kenny Omega chasing after champion John Moxley. Yeah, because in, in, in theory, right, because it was uh, Kenny Omega, or no, it was Adam Page in Jericho, right, for the first? Exa- yeah. Because mm-hmm. Jericho beat... Omega, and if not for getting interfered with John Moxley again, it yeah, it should be kind of Kenny Omega who was that top of the line guy. He and Jericho were basically in a number one contenders match. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he should have had a shot uh, at that world at, at that goal before John Moxley. You can tell that story with or without the belt, but that would certainly uh, be intriguing. So again, we we think FTR goes over here on Hangman and Omega. And that the war of the elite uh, begins in whatever iteration that plays out in. That leaves us one match, Dawes. One match, your main event of the evening. Or at least it's the top match on the card. Again, hopefully AEW's not lazy and they can clean up a a (laughs) vat of, of orange juice and not save that for last. But... AEW World Championship on the line. It is John Moxley, the champion, the fighting champ, going up against MJF with Wardlow in his corner. And a stipulation of this match, Moxley is banned from using the paradigm shift to Saturday night. I've gone back and forth on who... I think is going to walk out the AEW world champion from all out this Saturday for the longest time. I have been convinced that MJF is just going to continue his undefeated streak and he's going to pick up that championship. And, you know, he's going to fulfill his prophecy of uh, saying that we deserve better. We, the AEW fan deserves better, but then I don't know coming out of this past edition of Dynamite, the go-home edition of Dynamite. The champion John Moxley has also been somewhat prophetic. Everything he's said going into these matches against against uh, Brian Cage, against Brody Lee, against Chris Jericho, everything he said has come true, and MJF has never danced on this stage that John Moxley has been successfully defending his AEW championship at. He's never got in the ring and fought. Emphasis on the fought word. Somebody like John Moxley. And just seeing Moxley laid out in a pool of his own blood, being choked out, not only with his hands, but with MJF's shoe over his throat, gasping for air, blood spurting out of his head. I'm, I'm left with that image from Dynamite. And I think that John Moxley is going to come to the ring and just completely rip MJF's head off and somehow hang on to that AEW World Championship. 
Yeah, it's setting up that way, right? Because you've stacked all the cards against the 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 baby face champion, which is just hilarious. It's hilarious, right? To call John Moxley a baby face. And he is. He's a face. He's not a heel. Fans love him. Fans love him. But when I mean, uh, yeah, I I think there's a. A, a better than just puncher's chance that MJF does win, and I think it would totally be the MJF way to like you know stack all the cards in his favor. But again, usually when they do that in wrestling, they swerve and go the other way. Again, it kind of leads me back to that same question that I have when we talked about what's going on with the uh, TNT Championship at times, with the Tag Championship at times, and there was a time prior to Brody Lee getting the W. A couple weeks ago on Dynamite, that all your champions were faces. Now, with that said, MJF is so good on the mic. He is so unlikable. He is such a dastardly bastard that he can take an L and be fine. That's his whole gimmick, right? Is he maneuvers his way into situations. He's yet to be defeated in AEW. And he has yet to be defeated in AEW, so he can stand to take a loss. If MJF loses Saturday night, what's next for John Moxley? Because it's not necessarily the winner of that battle royal. It just says a future world championship match. Unless you have you have some grand design of we're building someone else up, or there's somebody who's making a return, and we're going to insert them into that world championship picture. Again, this is not the same as building up a monster for them to be easily conquered by the champ. This is not Cage. This is not Archer. This is not Brody Lee in TNT and world title matches. MJF is going to be just fine catching an L. Everybody wants him to catch an L. But where do you go after this? Because if MJF wins, it's really obvious. It's real simple. John Moxley's that guy who's great on the chase. And you continue this feud. Or there's someone uh, who debuts to uh, challenge MJF. I don't know. Uh, so, I know I'm, I'm thinking too much. <laughs> uh, probably I'm trying, to, I'm trying to book six steps ahead. Which is probably useless as a fan. But I think this is really interesting where they go with this. It, from uh, here... Uh, I don't know. My gut tells me to go with MJF, and you know, ain't nothing wrong with us disagreeing on things, Dawes. So I think MJF actually does come through because I think that's a interesting storyline that he just stacked the deck so much against John Moxley that he won this champion. He's this great winner, but not. Really, you know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. And, I mean, like I said, I'd gone back and forth because for the longest time I, I was convinced that MJF was going to pick up the championship here. And it's like, I mean, the path is a little bit more murky if Moxley retains who he goes up against. And, I mean, yeah, the, the Battle Royal does say for a future AEW World Championship uh, match, but so did the Casino Ladder match uh, that Brian Cage won and – Boom, out of the gates, Brian Cage was next up in line to take on Moxley. So, I, so I'm so i not 
necessarily just outright dismissing Moxley winning. And and if if I hadn't seen the go home edition of a Dynamite, I think I'd still be picking MJF here. But as I mean, yeah, the paradigm shift is banned, so that does take a proverbial ace out of uh, Mox's sleeve. But as we saw against Brody Lee, he doesn't necessarily need the paradigm shift to put somebody away. He can straight up choke out a monster like Brody Lee. MJF doesn't really stand much of a chance in that instance. So I'm, we are going to end up disagreeing here for the main event. You're going to go MJF. I'm going Mox to retain. Because I still think, okay, this is not a proverbial rubber match in the series. I think MJF is going to win because I think MJF is going to cheat. Because I think it's going to further the storyline. And there's no reason to... After one match at one pay-per-view. End a run between these two. Because Moxley's really good. MJF is young. And MJF is raw. But he's great on the stick. And he can play the part as the heel. And like you say. If you want to get technical about it. He's undefeated. Because he's never been pinned. In AEW, he's only lost in tag team situations where he was not uh, the guy looking up at the lights counting at three. So he's got his bona fides, and I think he might as well stretch this out for at least another match and just let it elevate MJF because while he is cutting promos, he's not wrong in saying he's the future of AEW uh, for the next 25 years if there's 25 years of. AEW. So that's, that's just that's just my take there, Dawes. Uh, that's the card uh, for for uh, all out in the water. I don't keep calling it double or nothing, but uh, <laughs> good card, uh, top to bottom, uh, and really looking forward to Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. I already mentioned I'm most looking forward to the tag team championship match. Rab, what is the match that you are looking forward to most of the nine that we are being presented with? It is absolutely that world championship match to see what's. Uh, going to happen there. Uh, although, again, what's going on in the tag division is interesting too. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to John Moxley and MJF. Awesome. I mean, like we said when we kicked off our preview, top to bottom, once again, AEW is presenting a stack card. I mean, they already have my $59.99. I ordered it on my local cable provider, but it is available on the BR Live app and all that good stuff. Uh, Rab, on the way out the door, how about we hit the lovely listener with some plugs? Absolutely. Follow me on Twitter at Rab Will. Check out my uh, day job off the bench Monday through Friday from 11 to noon on WCDT. Uh, you can find that online at WCDTradio.com. Follow us on Twitter at WCDT Radio as well for the podcast form of that. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Landoz, L-A-N-D-O-Z. That's where you can get the latest from me, 280 characters at a time. I also appear on the Monday Morning Monorail podcast. That is a family-friendly podcast, a.k.a. the exact opposite of this podcast right here. And that one covers the latest happenings from the House of the Mouse down in Orlando, Florida, talking about Walt Disney World. I also appear on the Phil Show, News Talk 98.7, WOKI radio station locally in Knoxville, Tennessee, streaming 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time worldwide at Newstalk987.com, also available in the iHeartRadio app and the Newstalk 987 app as well. So uh, another good one, Dawes, and uh, have fun breaking it down with you uh, as always. Uh, looking forward to uh, Saturday night. Looking forward to see what comes out of some of those intriguing things we talked about uh, in the WWE 
uh, realm uh, as uh, well. Uh, but uh, that's pretty much going to do it for uh, this edition of uh, Near Fall Radio. We'll see what happens at All Out and uh, be back to uh, break it down again soon. Yep, sounds good. Uh, to borrow a line from YouTuber Brian Zane, like what you like, don't be a dick. And uh, you've been great. We've been Near Fall. We'll see you next time. Them boys are good. Yeah, they're good. They're good. I mean, I'm still whoop their ass, but they're good.